Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person a child I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there listening. I have a special guest on with me this morning, Ms. Samantha Bailey. Thank you, Queen, for being on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show this morning, if you will, say hello to all the truth seekers. Hello, everybody, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, absolutely. This morning's discussion question, not to waste any time, because people were piping in all week as I kind of previewed the question this week. Can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Again, that question is, this morning's discussion question, can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? If you are a first-time listener of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, as you heard me mention, I go by the name Black Socrates, so quite often we like to take the Socratic method and ask questions, as I say. Now, my little take on it is to, to get to the right answers, and so we always do our mm-hmm. shows uh, in the form of a question. Outside of third Saturdays, we have a uh, conversation with smart people series for my regular listeners. But again, if you're a first time listener, our show topics are always in the form of a question. And that is a very general question. I'm glad to have on uh, Samantha Bailey again. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. But if you will, Queen, um, give the truth seekers that are listening a little bit of your background so they can understand, uh, in a sense, why I have yeah. you on this show. As I'm going solo, dolo, no co host this morning. Uh, for those that are used to me having a co host. So Samantha's going to hold me down. For the next couple of hours, if she needs to go, give everybody a heads up. I'm going to expect the callers to hold me down, you know, for the rest of the way. If she's if she mad, I'm going to ride through for the whole two hours. But, Queen, again, I appreciate you very much for um, short notice, actually, for getting on this show. So I definitely thank you for that. But give people a little bit of your background. Thank you, Queen. Absolutely. So in terms of this topic, my parents were both born in Jamaica. So I am first-generation American-born 
firstborn and grew up in New York. New York is a very huge melting pot. 40% of the residents are foreign born. And out of the other 60%, half of them are the children of those foreign born. So I have a very uh, lived experience around people who are not born here, specifically black folk who are not born here, and most particularly Caribbean black folk. Um, At the same time, I did live in Miami for a few years, and I also lived in Atlanta for a little bit. So then I got to live in these other experiences where there either was more of a mixture of different types of black folk or very little Caribbean black folk. So I think I have some things in my pocket for this discussion. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love to hear that experience. Yeah, and, and living in those particularly different places, you have seen the full full gamut because, again, New York can kind of be one thing because at least the way I understand it, I've been, this is crazy, Queen, I've been to every major city almost in the, in the United States except for New York City, believe it or not. So, what? you know what I mean? So I got to, yeah, that's crazy, right? But I so, but I went to school with a bunch of friends, so I feel like I've lived there, right, from New York, right? And so, so one thing I think I understand, never having visited, but I do think I understand it, especially when it comes to this particular topic, uh, there is somewhat of a, a incubator, per se, um, of all the places that you can choose to live, Miami maybe being another one in which you can, in a sense, still stay within in a sense, cultural boundaries per se or experience enough of your culture outside of, like you say, your parents actually being from the country, you being first generation, yeah. uh, there is a level of, uh, again, enough mixture, enough of you there in a sense to, to hold on to whatever that those cultural traditions might be. Like you said, there more so than yeah. anywhere, and had you not been anywhere else, it still would have been a better experience. And, you know, again, I'm the American black on this show, right? Everybody knows that. <laughs> so your experience would have been just fine, but not finding out that you have ventured outside of New York, then you have seen that the, the difference for how New York might could be versus other places. So that's actually pretty cool to to understand, you know, in a sense how how um, back how for your background goes. So a question I always love to ask to kind of kick off our show, uh, we'll start out and we'll go to a, a break here in a few minutes. Uh, but the question I love to ask, um, obviously, uh, my sister, shout out to uh, Carol for, for, for reaching out. I don't know if that's who you particularly talked to or whatever, but my sister was able mm-hmm. to, again, get yeah. you in um, on this show for me. And um, so when she said, that, here's the question that, you know, that we want to have you discuss, I always like to ask my guest or my co-host, again, I'm solo dolo today, but I always like to ask, what was, if you can recall, what was your first initial thought when you heard the question worded the way that it was or whatever? So if you can recall, maybe when she said, hey, you know, my, my brother's looking for you, you know, maybe you can have a lot on the show if you're available. Here's the question. And what do you, what do you recall what you thought at that moment? In the moment, I thought, I, I don't think there's a massive national problem with us coming together. That was my first, first, first thought. But I will say okay. there's a lot of things <laughs> in that question. There's a lot of lived experiences and topics within it. But the, what jumps out for me is I don't think it's a national issue, but I do think there's silos of issues. Um, regionally, absolutely. Nah, it makes sense, and I, you know, and I hope to even expand this con, this con, this con, 
this question globally, if that makes sense. So, you know, like you like when you hit when I hear your initial thought, I think I could even say what you're saying makes sense to me, at least from my perspective. I think I could even agree to a certain extent. Now, I think when we start, in my personal opinion, when if we when we start moving throughout the African diaspora, I think that's where yeah. we kind of, in a sense, see more issues, uh, at least from this concept uh, of in the world's becoming global, right? And so I think that it is appropriate that we. In, at least in my opinion, that we try to think globally, and I I will say as a you know just as Americans in general, uh, Americans are are in a sense kind of the weakest at that is at at perspective mm-hmm. or whatever you know what I mean. We we bought hook line and sinker as this is the the greatest country in the world, and I'm not disagreeing this with that. I've defended this, <laughs> yeah, I've defended this country, so I'm not I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I'm just saying buying it to the extent that you know we're not as global as most people's perspectives are generally speaking. And, you know, when we travel yeah. per se, again, that's just a general statement, again, not to be negative. Um, so, again, if we once we move it outside of national context, again, we can start there because I, I think you, you're making a good point there. But once we move it outside of that, I think we might see more particular problems in my personal opinion. Now, I did mention to you before we go to this first break that one unique way that I think I'm going to handle the show because we got so much feedback going into the show that I really I'm going to actually rely on our Facebook followers. Of the Mental Dollar Facebook followers and the ones that follow me on my page, we're going to really kind of, they, they, they went so many places, and I think you touched on that beautifully when you said the question itself can take us a lot of places. So they went a lot of places, and so what I want to do is say, hey, let's, let's, get, let's get the people in on it. We're going to open up the phone lines as well. So we're going to read a lot of the posts that were um, shared this week, and I just kind of want to get your take because I think you'll see these questions really delve into this in all kind of nuance. And then, of course, if you want to bring something to the table, you know, absolutely, absolutely feel free to do so. Uh, all right, Queen? Oh, sounds excellent. Yeah, sounds excellent. All right, cool. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to a quick first break. When we come back, we're going to get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. Can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest with me this morning, Sam Bailey. She likes to be called. Thank you, Queen, for being with us for this morning's discussion question. Can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? And so, again, as I said, I was going to just really go to, uh, in a sense, where my in a sense, Facebook followers went. And so our first comment, 
and I'm pretty much just gonna go down the line because they went a lot of places. I mean, there was like it's like a hundred comments literally on me just putting out this question um, earlier this week saying that we were gonna tackle it. And so again, we'll start there, get each other's take on it, and just keep it moving. If something needs to go deeper, we'll do that. But again, thank you for being with me. First comment we have is Caribbean blacks would have to answer that American blacks have tried to include them as family. We're not moving to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. They are moving here, living off of what we built. So that was someone's initial <laughs> response to uh, this morning's discussion question, can we come together? So I heard you giggle a little bit. So, Queen, what was, what's your first thought uh, <laughs> when, when hearing a comment such, such as this? So, you know, is there, some valid, is there anything valid in it or you disagree with it? Where are you at with it, Queen? Go ahead. So there's a couple of things. Um, one, the, the hard truth is, yes, we, not just Caribbean blacks, but anyone entering into the United States is coming off the hard work of mostly the descendants of enslaved Africans. Absolutely. That's anyone. And there's a lot of appreciation that is not felt, that is not there um, for that truth. Um, and there's not a lot of acknowledgement within our country itself that we exist in this way in America because of enslaved Africans in this country. So I agree with that completely. The other thing that was said in that comment was, um, I, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, but the comment was kind of like Caribbean blacks have, like, have to more so open up because American blacks have tried to like kind of take us in. And here's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about. Because of the way that slavery was in this country, in terms of economics, they had the whole one-drop rule. Like, literally, you could be enslaved as long as you were at least one-sixteenth African, okay, um, no matter what you look like. But that was on law. That was on books. So we have this very, very unique paradigm where black looks like a lot of things. As It, it can look like Kiki Wyatt and Wesley Snipes. You know what I'm saying? Um, it could look like Tandy Newton, you know, Boris Kojo, and also Mahershala Ali. And we're all under this umbrella of blackness. Leave the United States, though. That doesn't exist. If you go to England, what you'll find is there are people who are from Guyana or from Jamaica or from Nigeria or from, like, Mali. And then there's people who are mixed. And what they say is, oh, I'm 50% this, 50% that. Or they'll say, I'm 25% this, and I'm 75% that. This whole black umbrella is something very unique to the United States. So I say all that to say, when you take folks who are coming from a country where the majority is black, the understanding of blackness is different. The umbrella is not the same. When you talk to Jamaicans, there's ways of describing different blackness. You're either red or you're brown or you're black or your, your light, and these are all black people. Now, in Alabama, everyone would just be black. But in Jamaica, <laughs> it's already, I'm saying, but yeah, in Jamaica, right. they that's already real. have these things because, because everyone is already black. So they don't have to have this, like, paradigm of, like, oh, we're all one, we're all black. It's like, no, they have their own structure of what they decided, um, you know, uh, categorization of people are as people do throughout the world. So now when Caribbean folks come up here and this understanding of uh, we all, we all in it, 
we all black. They don't have that understanding. It's not the same. So part of the cultural uh, dissonance is not understanding that paradigm. And I have found when I went to college, so I leave New York, I didn't know any American blacks growing up. Zero. Okay. It wasn't until I wow. went to, yeah, none, zero. Any black folk mm-hmm. I knew was either Caribbean, African, or the first or second generation from it. And so right. everyone just referred to their ancestry of whatever country they came from. When I went to college, and I'm around people from Texas and Georgia and North Carolina, I still was operating as if I was in New York. So I would say, oh, where are you from? And they would say, Texas. I'm like, oh, I mean, I know, but where are you from? And they'd be like, right, uh, right. Texas. And I'm like, no, but where are your grandparents from? And they'd say, right. like, Kentucky. And I remember my freshman year, like, it hit me, like, oh, my God, wait. They're American for real. Like, it was such <laughs> a realization. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That is hilarious. I love it. Because I love the sincerity of that. Go ahead, Queen. I, I'm loving this. Go ahead. Keep. Yeah. Keep. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because even even though the even the white folk in New York, they'll be like fourth or fifth generation Irish or fourth or fifth generation Italian or Jewish. So even they did it. If you ask them, where are you? They're like, oh, I'm half Italian, half half Irish, even though it was like their great-great-grandparents. They say it. So it's part of the, the New York paradigm. It's part of the New York culture. Mm-hmm. I leave that, and it was so crazy for people to really see themselves as American. It was my really first environment of it. But wow. the reason I'm saying it is because I want I want our – the listeners to kind of like, especially if they're not Caribbean or haven't been around Caribbean folk or immigrants, that the paradigm of like, we are all one is quintessentially American in terms of blackness. It's American. So sometimes it's hard if you grew up in another country for 20, 30, especially 40 years. And now all of a sudden people are like, oh, we the same. And they're like, no, we're not the same. I'm Nigerian. You're not. You know what? Is you know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. So I get. I mean, what you're speaking to? No, I'm sorry. No, please finish. Please finish. I, no, you go ahead. Continue. Continue. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying like what you're saying. You just described what I was talking about, just from the idea of Americans not being a global. Like you know what I mean? When I was mentioning that before the break, that's part of it. Again, there's a lot of things that comes from, you know, since Americans thinking they're the leaders of the world, and again, again, you know, we as Americans or whatever the case may be. But what I'm saying, that's a part of it. Is like you said, like it's funny to hear your actual lived experience of having to connect. Like, oh, they really see themselves as this thing. They again, you had never met anyone up until this point, your college years, that that didn't have their connection to their ancestry in some way. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And as, as as you said, um, for Caribbean black, that ancestry, ancestry is going to be, like you said, in a country where, again, everybody around them is black. So this concept of blackness does it absolutely does not need to exist when the, most of the population exactly. is black like you. Like it doesn't even need to exist. And so I love exactly. the fact that you're pointing out, you know, and literally you know, through your own experience, how you're pointing it out. 
because, again, like you said, for anybody out there listening, uh, you know, there are plenty of Americans who still, because, again, this is our lived reality, who still have a concept of applying blackness to the entire black world without yeah. the very understanding you just explained. You know what I mean? And again when yeah. uh, when we when we as Americans travel, we learn the difference as well, you know, to a certain extent. Or we can be you know, lucky enough we can have shows like this and hear someone's personal experience. So I absolutely love that. I'm gonna go ahead and put the um number out for anybody got like some people on the line if you want to get in on this discussion, we will let y'all get in before I move to the next post. Uh, the number to get in if you're listening online is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. If you're on the phone line currently, if you are looking to speak, you will need to press 1 to let us know you want to get into this morning's discussion. All right, our next comment. So this is, the again, just a response to me sharing that this will be the question for the day. Um, the next response was, what What does that even mean? You want American black people and Caribbean black people to merge cultures? Why? American black people seem <laughs> to always see making all black people a monolithic people. Why? Well, actually, I mm. know why. American black people have been taught we have no culture of our own. Um, and but Although there is a four-story museum in D.C. showing we do, or what we do, we have – or what we do have, we should be ashamed of. So we attempt to grasp from every other black culture. Lots of black Americans are ashamed to be black Americans. They want to be something mm. else. Italians, Irish, and Polish are, aren't merging cultures. Neither are Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, and Cubans. We probably should be investing more time in being prideful of who we are and not latching on to everyone else. That comment got a lot of likes and love. So what is your first thought to that one as well, Queen? Again, a lot said in that one. I would definitely want to speak on it as well. Go ahead. I agree with it so much, so much. The first thing that I want to say is um, – there was a mention about um, African-Americans not being or having no culture or not being proud of culture. And I would love to remind anyone who thinks that it is completely false because the one culture the world over that is coveted the most is specifically black American culture. You go to Japan, Germany, uh, Netherlands, uh, even countries within the continent go to Kenya. They talk about 50 cents. They think, you know, Will Smith is cool. They they right. they uh, will rock the hip-hop look. Like, that's not their culture. Um, black American culture is the most pervasive culture that exists on this globe. And outside of the United States, most of, I think mostly outside of, like, black Americans in the United States, it's like they know it. And I think there's something right. that I say we don't know. I'm saying we as, like, the someone who was born here. But I think it's something right. that we don't know as well. And it's true. I think we are taught to feel ashamed of our black American culture. And that's something that's very American because everybody else wants to be us. They want to look like us. They want to move like us. I mean, if you've ever seen um, the, like, the cultures in Japan who are really into hip hop and what they yes, do to really so. try to know it as deeply as they know it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's strong. So I really agree with um, the part in the comment that said we don't have to keep merging. And 
um, what we we were saying before about the the paradigm of everyone falling into this black umbrella being very quintessentially American, I think there's something very beautiful about it, but there's something also that can lead to a little bit of destruction. The beauty is I know someone from Belgium. She is one sixteenth Congolese. No, excuse me, one eighth. Her great grandmother is from the Congo, but okay. in her lineage, all the the Africanness comes from her mom's side. So her grandmother is mixed, but born in Congo. Her mother is a quarter mm-hmm. African, but born in Congo. So she's the first one not born in Congo. And visually, she kind of looks white, almost like Meghan Markle, you know, the, okay. the princess. Right, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So visually, visually, she looks that way. But in reality, she grew up with all these shades of brown because her mother's brown, her cousins, her aunts, you know, all different shades. And so she said mm-hmm. she had to learn at like 11 that she wasn't black. She had to learn to accept later on that she should call herself white with African ancestry. But it was hard for her because visually she's just seeing all these brownness. And what happened for her, she now moved to the United States, but she loved this umbrella of blackness because for her she feels she can fit in that here. Where in Belgium, they don't do that. Even though in her heart she feels her African, Mm -hmm. she ate Congolese food, you know what I'm saying? And so that is like the beauty of this awful thing that was created because of slavery. But that's one of those beauties Mm -hmm. where we can all kind of mix together. I have another personal story. I was working at a restaurant and there was a woman that I befriended from Alabama, all American. Right. And then we're very different, not because she's American and I'm like Jamaican American, but because of the way we grew up. Um, our upbringings, the schools we went to, all those things. Right. And I said to her once, and we would always fight all the time, but in a loving way. And I said to her once, you know what? We are nothing alike, but we're friends because we're black. And I, that wow. is you, for real, though. Yes, I love, I, yeah, like, I, that is profound. That is so profound. I, I, I love that statement. Um, just again, I want you to continue, but that is a profound statement, definitely worth pausing, and I I love it coming from you based on the you know this the scenario from your perspective to be able to say that that's a beautiful and powerful statement. Go ahead, though, Queen. Yeah, so 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 that this system that came out of slavery that is one of the beauties of it, where we can come together when necessary in what we call blackness. However, where I feel that it can be destructive is we do forget we are all from different, if you will, different tribes. We are, And I'm not just saying because some people are from other countries and some people were born mm-hmm. from parents from other countries. Within America, you want to talk about people from Atlanta, Georgia, but people from Savannah, Georgia. That's different. That's different tribes. You know, we want to talk about mm-hmm. Miami black or like Houston, Texas black. That's different tribes. We want to talk about Midwest Ohio country black or you want to talk about in chicago these are different and what one of the problems with the monolith like theory is we don't acknowledge that we are different and then when we see the differences within each other it's more critical and what i mean is i so i wanted to join a mphc um sorority right very okay. early on i realized that they saw me different i didn't see me different but they saw me different. And mm-hmm. when I, they saw me different, I started seeing the differences, right? And it wasn't celebrated. Right. It was just like she's different, right? But let's say mm-hmm. somebody is like uh, American and they marry someone from, 
from Germany, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, because my husband is German, we do Oktoberfest. Oh, because um, of this tradition with Christmas in Germany, we do it this way. Completely accepted because we acknowledge that the culture is different. But we don't right. do that within us because of this monolith blackness also. So I think those are like the, the benefits and like the negatives of just living in this right. like we're all black. Yeah. No, I love it. I'm, I'm going to speak to what you just said. If you're out there on the phone line and want to get in, we definitely, a lot of people on the phone line, if you want to get in, you do need to press one to let us know you want to speak. You do have to press one on your phone dial to let us know you want to speak. Yeah, the thing you just spoke about is I'm listening to you. I'm sitting here going, and it's it's just very common what I'm about to say, um, but to a certain extent, it is very common for those who, in a sense, have been oppressed to adopt the weight of their oppressors. And I'm saying that because we know, as you just mentioned, that the construct of race is a very American thing that came along specifically at the transatlantic slave trap transatlantic slave enslavement trade is, is I prefer to call it. Um um uh, his brother Kent uh Brian I think his name Kinsey, brother Brian Kinsey, uh, who has him and his wife have the um just to throw this out very quickly, um they have the, the largest um African American artifacts and art collection in the United States. And he's always shared the idea of, you know, of understanding that um, our our ancestors were enslaved, you know, never to call them slaves. You know, it was an action that was done to them. Yeah, because yeah. Then, you know, then, you know, they themselves um, were brought here still, you know, just as we do today. When you say, you know, who, you know, what do you do or who are you? You, you, you describe yourself sometimes by what you do or whatever your role is within your community. Mm-hmm. And so they still saw themselves as that, even in, you know, even in being taken from the country. And so he definitely, again, wordplay and words matter, right? And so he, you know, he yeah. says that. But anyway, I say that very quickly to say that in not doing it, as you said, in 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 looking at that difference as, as an issue. That's what was brought upon with the construct of race. Um, um, and he also says, and let me say this, and I'll go to another break. Brother Trinsky, we'll get to you out of the break. Um, what Brother Brian Kizzy also says is the country made a mistake in, in trying to be colorblind. It should have tried to be color rich. And that's the example of celebrating the culture, as you said, because by being colorblind, it's being dismissive. Or I have an issue with you because you are different. That's what you felt with the group that you were trying to be in. Like you said, it wasn't celebrated. It's I am fearful of this difference. But if we're trying to be color rich, it's okay, why are you different? And, yes, I can appreciate it. And so that is a Mm -hmm. huge thing you just spoke to, um, you know, in giving that example. All right, we're going to go to another break. When we come out of break, we will open up the phone lines once again and go to another post. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can't define this. 
can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define us. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Special guest, Sam Bailey. Thank you, Queen. You have been excellent this morning. We actually got a caller on the line, so we'll go to Brother Piusky out of St. Louis before we go to the next post. Brother Piusky, thanks for calling, King. What you got for us? Well, you know, I was going to say uh, <clears throat> any human group can come together culturally for an event or a period of time, but they're still different in their ways, like the young lady said. You know, the term black. I was at a DOP conference in Philadelphia, and one of the biggest arguments i ever seen, I thought was going to end up in a fisticuff. Mm-hmm. When there were some Africans there, and the conveners, which was black American or African American, labeled them as black. And they didn't like that. And, you know, the culture is different along the lines of marriage, food, celebration, the music, music, and also the way they identify themselves. Uh, you hardly ever hear anyone from those places that identify themselves as black. And, you know, the funny thing about the language, language acquisition is a gradual thing. And you can realize that when you think that people traveled by foot or by some means of camel or horse. So as they came amongst other people, it was very gradual. When someone say, I speak languages, other languages, well, you may have the ability to speak certain words, but to put Mm -hmm. the emphasis and the tone and the variation in your eyes as you would learn in languages a whole lot different. Now we get on a jet plane and travel from here to Germany, and there's no way in the world you're going to learn how to speak that language with all the fine details. You just may know how to speak some German words. And then, you know, the same thing. People don't come from the same place. They don't have the same experience. Even blacks in America don't have those same experiences. All blacks weren't slaves. You know, we we can guarantee that. And the experiences, I'm down here in Baton Rouge, I can see a distinct difference in many areas between the blacks here, quote-unquote, in Baton Rouge than those that's up in St. Louis. And it's just it's human nature. You know, human beings, we talk about Africans being brought here to the continent, but that's a whole nother discussion. But it was reasons why they end up here. And we have to realize that human beings are human beings. Human beings have war, they have peace, they have rituals, they have sacrifices, and they have slavery. I mean, that's human beings. Ants even have the same thing amongst their societies. So the quicker we come to realize that and accept it, I think we'll be better off. And here's another thing. Blacks in America have an advantage than other blacks throughout the world that I see. And I haven't been to Europe but I know that the places I've been where they are have it educational-wise, they have it wealth-wise, monetarily-wise. And I have seen, uh, for instance, when you have scholarships that specifically for African-Americans, 
Okay, I have seen uh, other people from other ethnic groups, whether it's Africans or whether it's uh, Caribbeans or whether it's Latinos, they will uh, they will go out for those scholarships and take them because for whatever reason, maybe it's because of a misidentification or the people just don't want to get into greater Pacifics. And uh, Monte, that's my contribution. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you for your three cents as always. I was definitely interested to hear what Sam has to say about some of what Brother Pianchi said. He always kind of he did, gave us some historical context, brought it up to today. Here's a quick question I have for you, um, Brother Pianchi, before you go, and then I definitely want to again, still hear some um, Samantha's thoughts on it as well. But um, the question this morning is, can black Americans and Caribbean blacks come together um, and again, I'll be honest, I use culturally in a broad sense. I'm not, you know, not speaking specifically just culture, as I mentioned in the write-up, politically, economically. So I just wanted to hear at least one thought. Uh, do you see you know, a way in the sense that they should come together? I'm very interested in asking, just as a side note, asking Samantha what she thinks about the, the scholarship offer that you just offered, because I know where you're going with that. But just real quick before you go, uh, are are there ways you think that they, in a sense, should come together? Because there's plenty of Amer- black Americans we think that we should, in a sense of an African diaspora. So any thoughts well, on that, whether we should or not? And, and you know, I want to add one other thing. My wife has gotten in. My first wife, which I have been knowing since we was about 10 years old, was an African-American. And I married a Ghanaian. And there is a difference. But uh, on the culture coming together, I think you should come together alone, enterprise and business. Now, of course, you're going to okay. have those who's going to marry and so forth. But enterprise and business, I think you should come together. Now, there is – I love Buju Bandam, especially when he uh, sings uh, Boom Bye Bye. That's one of my favorites. But, uh, no, that, uh, enterprise and businesses, because uh, we can sh- use that shared experience uh, or that – you know that skin color. Skin color in Africa is a race is is a is a trump card, believe it or not. Two things when you go to Africa is your trump card. One is your skin color, the other is that American passport, and those can be used in order to leverage you know business ventures and things along that line. Where yes, you sort of keep other people out. And and I want to ask this lady uh, some days. You're from Jamaica, did you say? Yeah. Well, I'm born here, but my parents are. Let me ask you a question. What about, you know, Chinese have been in Jamaica since the 1800s. How do they yeah. fit in? And how about the Jer-makers, G-E-R, the German Jamaicans <laughs> that's been there for a long time? I see that they have, hey, they face the same discrimination, if not worse, than what blacks do in the South. Could you comment on those, please? Um, yeah, actually, for me, culturally, Chinese Jamaicans are Jamaican, and Chinese Jamaicans themselves see themselves as Jamaican. They rarely, unless they have to explain themselves, which is usually up here, but they rarely start going off on Chinese ancestry because just like anyone in another country for a few generations, they don't know it. They only know their Jamaicanness. So they speak Patois, they eat the same foods, all that stuff. Culturally, some things that were passed down is like um, there's a couple of Chinese Jamaican cuisine that's very specific to being a descendant of, of China. But other than that, culturally, they're Jamaican. You know, they listen to reggae. They're Jamaican. And it's much like how me, I'm born here. I have children. They're born here. So now they're second generation removed. 
they're American, you know. There's going to be a part, a time when the culture of Jamaica is not in my descendants anymore if they stay in this country. How about the Germans? Okay, so they're very few, um, but unlike what you're saying, in my understanding, it's not that they face a lot of discrimination. They actually have, just like in other places of the Americas, they have more um, assets and I won't say wealth, but, you know, uh, they, they have more assets and wealth than the black Jamaicans. So that still mm-hmm. actually exists, this paradigm of, like, of white supremacy. It exists. Uh, it's not so strong, though, since there's a whole lot of other black politicians and lawyers and aeronautic engineers and all that. But they live decent. And how and and what's their history? When did they come to the country? What do they call themselves? Well, let me do this, brother Briarki. We don't have to do that part. Real quick, we, I we, think we that's important. Too. From the, for the, yeah, let me do this, brother Briarki. Um, we definitely are moving a little uh, far away from the discussion, and um, I'm having a little pro- problems with my computer. So, if you don't mind, brother Briarki, I'm gonna keep you. You're gonna be on the line, but um, if you don't mind muting yourself, so I can kind of continue. I'm trying to. Um, I'm having some trouble with the um, board, so I can't get other people, and I can't get you off the line, just so you know. Uh, but I don't want to—I don't want to delve too far away from, you know, from the conversation we're having this morning. So, but thank you for again, always amazing thoughts. Uh, Brother Piaki is our number one caller for anybody out there listening. So we always give him more time for anybody else out there. Give me a second with the board. Um, Samantha, if you will, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, right now, we're going to be commercial free until I get this fixed, and I won't be able to get anybody else on until this it may be a problem with the internet so we do run this board from the internet just so everybody knows um but i can continue i think i still get to my um, post so let's go to another post and get your thoughts as well um samantha all right let's see here all right so um cued in to based on something you just said uh samantha um next post says uh in reference to this morning's discussion question the next post Simple answer to the verses. The last two were pretty long. This one simply said, as long as white supremacy is operating, not likely, unfortunately. That was their response to can Caribbean Americans and black Americans come together culturally. Uh, what are your thoughts in hearing hearing that comment, um, Samantha? Um, well, I don't think we need to come together culturally for us to work together. I think that's, like, where we need to um, – uh, I think that's what we need to move past. Culturally, it's it's okay to to exist in um, what your own foods are, what your own family dynamics look like, all of that. But we tend to when because of the paradigm of blackness, when we see those differences, we are very critical of those differences versus accepting. I think where we need to advance to is we can recognize each other in our different cultures, be cool, and then work together for a common purpose. I think, you know, when I think about Nation of Islam and, like, the immense Christianity of this country um, and what I think about the civil rights, and I know how a lot of black folk now feel about both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, which is, religiosity they're different right but fighting for the same thing you know and so Mm -hmm. he said unfortunately 
you know, not likely, but I I think even if it's not likely that we come together culturally, I don't think it needs to be unfortunate because I think we can still work together. We just have to accept that we're all different people and we're all different tribes, much like in whiteness, they accept that. They accept it because they don't live in this. We do. It was created and we live in it and we have to like move past those boundaries and those borders that were created for us. We can be very different and it's okay. There could be people considered black who are polygamous because within their religion and culture they are and that's fine and we have to be okay with that. And then there has to be other people who are okay with like people coming from an immigrant situation where where parents were always leaving their kids and going to another country to make money and understanding like in their in their lived experience it's okay to leave your children if you need to work to have a better life for them and not be criticized for it. We just have to find that place of acceptance of each other. No, it makes sense. Let me tell you something I hear um in within that comment and at the and it relates to a little the reference that uh Brother Piaki in a sense made to the scholarships. At least at least one aspect oh, of yeah. it. Um yeah, yeah. and so so when I read this comment from you know, this says a basically saying it says as long as white supremacy is operating not likely. What I hear in that is how Again, we know we talk. We continue to talk about the social construct of race, you know, at the advent of the uh, transatlantic enslavement period. Well, I think what I hear coming out of that comment is that this concept, this construct that we've come to accept, that there are aspects even within the United States that almost ensures that we are pitted against one another, so that we don't come together. I think that's what I think is coming mm-hmm. out of that. Co- out of that, you know, out of that statement, and so the very things that you're that we've been talking about, for example, all morning of how we see those differences, I I hear from that comment is the 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 way that we see them comes from that construct of someone's different to you, someone's above you, someone's mm-hmm. lower than you, you know, for this di- in, you know for this difference of race, and so bringing it full circle back to the scholarships, for example, here's a dialogue that is happening very much so right now, especially with the the resurgence of the reparations conversation, right? And so mm-hmm. here's a dialogue that I've seen, and I think is very appropriate for this morning's discussion. Just to, and I want to hear your thoughts on it, uh, which is so. Um, for example, scholarships that were, in a sense, put in place due to the history of this country, in a sense, having affirmative action and, in a sense, trying to affirmative action supposedly serving as, uh, you know, some type of recompense for, in a sense, starting behind, right? And, again, that's just a simple way of describing it. There's a lot of definitions for it, right? But in that yeah. sense, uh, when those policies were being put in place, they were being put in place specifically for the descendants of those enslaved in this country who were quote unquote starting behind. Like that's that's yeah. why the and against the government found need to and you know what you know, I'm not saying everybody agreed on them, but at the same time it got voted voted at least on the federal level, right? It got voted into policies and many of the schools, for example, yeah. started using them to to assist with ad, admissions. Well, here's a reality of today, for example, with Immigrants of all races, but in particular, um, Caribbeans and Africans, for example, 
since the schools, to a certain extent, is just, in a sense, trying to meet a number of fill a slot. I'm not saying quotas necessarily, but again, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, those, you know, that's been shot down legally, right? The quota specifically, but yeah. these, co- these schools still, a lot of these schools still have these initiatives of trying to, in a sense, have a diverse population. Well, it's quite often and easily filled by. You know, uh, you know, plenty of Caribbean immigrants, as, as Brother Pianki said, who get to take advantage of it. And in a sense, they're taking advantage of it for this policy that was put in place for those who had been injured, particularly in this country. Yeah. And it's not to say, even, you know, essentially we're talking about the Americas, all of us went through some form of slavery, right? Some form of enslavement. Yeah. So so it's not to, you know, suggest that, there, that there's no history for that Caribbean immigrant who comes here, there's no history of no enslavement, but particular to this country was why it was needed, because obviously our ancestors didn't reap any of the benefits, so it's almost like you get to take advantage, kind of like the first comment said, off the backs of those, and again, you respect that and understand that, but that, I'm saying all this to say, but there's a pushback on how that is done. There are some People who are now, who, for example, who are pushing the Ameri- the ADOS, I'm pretty sure you heard the term, American Descendants yeah. of Slaves, they are saying, yeah. no, schools shouldn't be allowed to fill it with a Caribbean immigrant or an African immigrant. And they're saying they shouldn't be because it disguises the recovery of those who, have, who, are, who the policies mm. were put in place for anyway. So if the school says, oh, we got a diverse population, it's kind of, oh, we're over and done with it because now you're letting people who were not harmed in this country, who are not direct ancestors of those who are harmed in this country, take advantage of something that should have been reserved for those. And again, I'm trying to get into a lot of the nuance because that's the discussion, in my opinion, that's worth having, um, if you will. But again, I'll I'll kind of drop it off there, but I want to give you a full context and hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. First of all, with the argument of reparations, I fully understand as it should be for people who are descendants of enslaved Africans in America. Um, because let's say, let's say to Jamaica, like all, all of us were enslaved. That's why we're here, right? All of us come from someone who was enslaved, but in Jamaica, the reparations would come from England. That shouldn't be coming from the United States. The United States doesn't owe me or my parents, England does. And so that discussion should be um, in terms of, like, people who are not from America. Absolutely, that's supposed to be for the descendants of American enslaved people. Two, the issue with um, college applications or scholarships that, in theory, are supposed to be for the descendants of or, or for black Americans, right? I agree also. That's an enforcement issue. And I think there's always a way to figure it out, to enforce it, but it's clearly not at anybody's high level of priority to sparse, well, what black are you? Especially because it's white entities going through this. Like they they already see us Mm -hmm. all as one thing anyway, you know what I'm saying? So they they don't even have the contact context to realize, oh, oh, there's differences. They don't even have it. So I agree, but how do you enforce that? And until it's enforced, of course, it's going to still be used. Of course, I put I'm black on my applications for college. That's what I put. Um, I will be honest that if they didn't have the word black and they said African-American, I actually didn't mark it. I'd mark other and I'd put Jamaican-American 
But if they had the word black, I'd put black. Um, but what are you going to do? Like, these are how the applications are set up, is how the system is set up. And so if it's not going to who it's initially supposed to benefit, that's an enforcement issue, and that has to be handled at a higher level. But, yeah, I think I agree. There's a lot of people like me who got took advantage of that. I got into Boston College, and I'm not sure if I should have. So there was a quota <laughs> there was a quota uh, that possibly they had, and I applied for, and I got, and I, you know, as you're talking, I'm realizing, oh, that probably wasn't really intended for someone like me. Probably not. You know, so I agree, but that's an enforcement issue. No, fair enough. Um, and, 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 again, that's getting into the specifics of scholarship. I just want to use that specific example. For those out there on the phone line, if you want to get in, you do need to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Got a lot of people on the line. You do need to press 1. Um, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. We do have the board working now. So um, just letting people know we can get you in on calls, but you do have to press one. Um, but, yeah, that is specific to the scholarship example. Uh, the bigger context of that conversation is that designation of American descendants of slaves. Um, that's, you know, it's basically that, that, that issue that we just spoke about has existed well before um, Yvette Cornell and um, Antonio Moore um, coined that term. Um, that you know that we're you know that's you know again been become a recent conversation, and you are of the perspective of understanding that difference. There are plenty of people who think it's another it's another thing used to divide, um, just to be divisive, just to say we don't want immigrants taking our stuff, or, you know. Again, so some people take that approach and saying we don't need that term because it's dividing the quote unquote black world once again. We just found a another way to divide ourselves is how people have been terming it. Um, and you're right in the sense of if we want to get that specific when it comes to college scholarships and things of that nature, but. What I will offer, at least the way I understand the ADOS coming from the you know the originators of the term, um, obviously the conversation of reparations has been going on for many of years, um, but they're saying there is a way to track that right, and because that's what you would need to do in to make a appropriate political legal request of the United States who, as you yeah. said already, would have owed those descendants, then they're, 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 we are definitely in an age in which that can be tracked. And so because cause what, what they are saying is one of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons, at least what they're saying, one of the biggest um, pushbacks on who might receive reparations over the last 20, 30 years has always been, well, who would you give it to? Because of the very thing we're talking about, how now – any policies that may originally, again, may have been put in place in the 60s to, to, in a sense, to reward or make up, however you want to call it, to those descendants. Well, now we just kind of designate you can call yourself black if you want to. You know what I mean? So so, yeah. so that's been the big pushback is, well, we don't even know who we would give it to now. Like even the even when they had the conversation, what about on, on June 19th, on the Juneteenth particularly, right? Yeah. When the, you know, when they had that session, uh, one thing I think, one the only thing, as much as they were arguing, I think the one thing that they, they came to agreement to, they came to agreement to that 
um, at the time that reparations were being explored originally, way back when, everybody kind of gave the agreement, yeah, it probably should have been given then. You know what I mean? And so that was the only <laughs> thing they came into. Now, when it was all over, I said, well, if you know that it should have been given then, what's the argument for not paying it now? Just because it should have been then, but well, we can't give it now. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, or whatever, but again, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I'm just kind of saying all that to say, taking it out of the context of the colleges, because that's not where we want to limit it to, right? There is this mm-hmm. concept of if if you, as you do, you agree that that distinction should be made, and that's why your vet and Antonio make the distinction for a legal, legal and political reason, and they too say the very thing you said. Mm-hmm. If we find it to be successful if we are able to make this legal argument. They're basically saying, take our blueprint, Jamaicans, and go ask England for your reparations. Take our blueprint, mm-hmm. Trinidadians, and go, you feel me? Like, who, yeah. they're trying to set a blueprint specifically for the receiving of that, you know, of, 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 of basically some compensation for that harm. And so most people think they're trying to divide us, and they stand by it. They stand by it, and it needs to be divided. And so when people hear them talk, they're like, they're just trying to divide us, and they're saying, well, it has to be divided for this reason, yeah. but this is a blueprint, if it works, that we all throughout the black world can use to go yeah. get it from the country that we are harmed by. And you've already said that, and they've said the same thing. But, you know, if you if you don't see the first video and you see the fourth video, you don't know that they said that originally. So people are actually mm-hmm. arguing. And, again, it was a good reason for this conversation, in my opinion. We actually got another caller, but I'll let you respond before we go to the caller, if you like. Um, no, I agree. And, you know, this was done in Australia. The Aborigines do have monetary and, and estate uh, reparations from the white Australians. And I think one of the French former colonies has some type of reparations. Unfortunately, Haiti has been charged for the last 100 years paying France reparations for, for the Haiti, black Haitians getting their own freedom, which is ridiculous. But I hope right. that's corrected in time. Now, I respect that. we got a couple of minutes. Let me see if I can get, I I know this number right here as well. Area code 803 last three, nine, three, two. Kevin, is that you? I got it right. I hope I did. Yes, sir. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Kevin? You got two minutes. So um, I'll leave you on after the break. I'm, I've got my board working out. I, I lost about I, I, 10, 15 minutes. So I couldn't get you in earlier. Sorry about that. All right. No problem. Um, yes, we can come together. Um, but the <laughs> thing is, we have to know. Because what we have, we have a primary uh, group, and then we have a secondary group. The problem comes in when people put the secondary group ahead of the primary group. Now, let me break that down. Primary group, we black. Secondary group, we mm-hmm. from those tribes, like she just described. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Say it again. You about to say something? No, no, no. Just no, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Are you good, Ken? Keep it, yeah. yeah, keep it rocking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying, you know. And that's where we get the problems. Um, and see, what happens is these different fractions, these secondary groups, they tend to a lot of times try to appease the others, uh, the oppressors. You know, well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where you get this, what percentage am I? You know, I'm part white and all this. No, 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 you're playing games. And that's, that's where the divisiveness comes from, you know, because a lot of the groups are not loyal to the primary group, which is black. And that's where we have these arguments, because those are going to be the ones who are not loyal to the blackness that are going to come up with these little off-the-wall, 
You know, this is the reason why I, we shouldn't get reparations because all people are just human. We're the human race and all that. One thing the mm-hmm. other groups do as a collective, they all all agree that the primary group comes before the secondary group. They, they you got all these different religions, but when it comes to the people, they put their religions secondary, put them third, put them to the side. White folks stick together. They stick to code. We have to have a code as a people, as a race, however you want to put it, that this comes first. And once we handle this, then we can go back to doing all the other little stuff and debating on the secondary parts. Like you said, the, the neighborhoods that you stay in, the tribes that you come from. But right now, we Mother Africa. And we are Mother Africa mm-hmm. that has been dispersed across the world. Go ahead. Now nah, you're good, King. We're actually up against the top of the hour. If you want to get back in, please do. I'm, I definitely right. want to hear um, Sam's response to you. But, again, we are at the top of the hour. I've been having some trouble with the oh, board, yeah. so let me make sure I get get my sponsors in. Um, but thank you, you very much you. for your three cents this morning, um, Kevin. Good job, King. Anytime, bro. All right. Absolutely. All right, Sam, we're going to go to our top of the hour break. Let me see if I can make this work. I'm definitely having a lot of trouble with the board. I can't even get all my commercials. And we always play a little music from one of our sponsors, um, Square Business Entertainment, at the top of the hour. So for everybody out there listening, please enjoy this, as I like to call it, real R&B from Taylor Place, the latest hit, Infatuation. We'll be right back. You listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Our special guest, Sam Bailey. Thank you, Queen, for being on with me. He's been holding it down with me this morning. We're having a little trouble with the board, but we're working it out for anybody out there listening. If you want to get in on this morning's discussion, you do need to press 1. Or if you're online, the number to get in is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. Hope everybody enjoyed that cut again from Taylor Pace from Square Business Entertainment. Please find them on YouTube. They drop a new hit 
every 30 days. I, I really love what they're doing, bringing that real R&B back. So, again, go support them as well. Um, but um, let's get uh, – in fact, let me um, – I want to give a couple thoughts to what Kevin had to say, and I hate I could, really couldn't keep him on. Me and hey, Kevin, again, another faithful, faithful caller to our show. Uh, we always go back and forth a little bit. Here's a couple things that he said. I want to hear your thoughts on this. And um, Brother Pianchi always speaks to this as well, our first caller. And so um, while I think Kevin made some good points, I think something that gets lost for us as African-Americans, and I want to definitely want to hear your thoughts um, on this, Queen, or get with your background, is uh, because this race thing is a very real thing, right? This blackness is a very real thing. And as mm-hmm. you said in the first hour, um, kind of exclusive to America, right? Again, this country was pretty mm-hmm. much founded, uh, you know, for the most part, on that to us to a certain extent obviously um you know killing off the indigenous people and then bringing us here and 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 it you know it became the construct that we know it to be today uh but with that said because of our own experience i now through some travels through some reading and through experiences with other cultures i now specifically understand um, there is a concept that, that, that Brother Kevin brought to the table that I hear quite often um, in our community, and that is that co- that, that comment of being on code. And mm-hmm. uh, what I would like to offer, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is um, as Brother Pianchi said, humans act as humans. And what I find is there are no groups, in a sense, that are on code in a massive from a massive standpoint, as we quite often think, um, when we look at other groups, yeah. it's very common when you watch other groups come together to say, you know, and again, people are generalizing and nobody means 100% when they, you know, when they're saying blacks or Chinese do this, nobody, you know, get like, I always like to real, be real specific because some people will try to kill you with the, the one exception, right? So, you know, when generalizing, um, <laughs> People, you know, people do it all the time. Like it's like, like, can we continue the conversation? You know, I didn't mean a hundred percent. You know what I mean? But I always like to give that clarification. You know, when when generalizing, right? So anyway, with that said, yeah. it is quite often for other groups to look at another group and say, look at how how they do, and all of them come together this way. And the reality is, what you will find is, if you were able to be inside that group, you will see, as always, it is a small, dedicated few that are committed to whatever mission. And if, if they're in power, now, as we've, ever, as we've seen in this country, right, if they're in power, then you can kind of push out, whether it be policies, whether it be thought, you know what I mean, like thick thoughts that, that eventually affect the entire country, where to the extent it's not that any group is in agreement in the way that it looks outside looking in. I'm going to give you one example, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. But, for example, I remember when I first started getting exposed to that groups don't move monolithically in the way that we're kind of taught here in America or how we think we should be as as often as, like you said, as, as you were, you know, told by us when you met us, right? Like you should be like us to a certain extent, <laughs> right? Well, 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 a perfect example of me starting to come to realize this is one time I was on a um, to give a quick personal story, I was on a plane and I was considering doing this, writing a book on race and, the, and talking to all these different races. And so I so happened to be by, uh, I think she was a Chinese American 
who and she was very into like their legal like she was she was like a I think she may have been a lawyer or a paralegal but either way she was very involved in their in their advocate groups right and on on, on, on a legal level and so you know we were having this great discussion or whatever and so during the discussion she was saying you know how they were having their back and forth and she was like in the room we're always having this argument saying why can't we come together like the blacks do. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we, I love having these conversations. So I very, you know, I, I, I stopped the conversation and said, <laughs> I say, do you know how we think of y'all as Asian Americans and you're saying that about us? And so she oh, was blown yeah. away. You should have said she was blown away how we think Asian, in a sense, you know, generalizing, of course, how we see Asian Americans come together. She was blown away that we see it that way. But for them, because how we might rally around issues, for them, it looks like we come together on everything. Like, that's literally her viewpoint. So I know I've said a lot, but I wanted to give you the full context to that concept of being an on coal, and the reality is what you've been talking about from the beginning. People are different based on culture, based on these things, and the better understanding is how to understand that, in my opinion, than having a concept of, like I said, of of we should all be on coal. That's my personal opinion, but I wanted to give you a lot of backdrop and hear what you think of it, having a different uh, experience, obviously. Go ahead, Queen. So, I want to talk about that story for a second because in New York, it is clear that different uh, con- uh, different uh, nationalities of Asia are very separate. Because <laughs> in New York, there's a lot of Chinese, there's a lot of Filipinos, and then there's some Japanese, some Korean, but there's a lot of Chinese and Filipinos, and they're very separate. Like they do things in their own groups for sure. Um, but I can understand that if you don't visually see a lot of Asian groups, there might be an assumption that they come together. They don't. They come together within their own countries. Japanese Americans really mess with each other, you know. And then I've I, I, there's comedians you can follow or shows you can watch that kind of play on this. And there's a great comedian, mm-hmm. Ali Wong, who's like half Vietnamese, half a Korean, I think. And she jokes about this all the time, about how two sides of her cultures don't get along. And then she married, like, a Filipino-Japanese, so forget it. It's just over. And so, yeah, some of those things that we don't even understand, like, if we're not around it or if we're not around, you know, or if we don't watch some of their own entertainment, but for sure. And I can almost imagine why visually it looks like we come together, because when there is, like, a, uh, an issue and there is a rallying cry it does look like you know here we are as black folks just coming on this issue and mostly being on the same page about it if we talk about the issue with friends or coworkers, mostly what they're not seeing are all a lot of the social nuances that where we miss each other or where we have like disagreements or arguments and I think that's what they don't see because if they're only watching it based on a screen or an article I can get it what the guy said about, like, primary group and secondary group, that's a really good tactic in a white supremacist mm-hmm. uh, culture, which is what we're in. Overall, like, if we didn't have that, we don't need to do it. 
But in terms of survival and for us to thrive, we have to get out of our silos of what we consider our own culture and come together with a common purpose in, for lack of a better word, in our blackness, Um, just because it's a survival mechanism. And it is. Um, If there's a company that is benefiting off of uh, incarcerated people, and we already know how we're in, how we're indiscriminately like um, hunted to be incarcerated, and we understand that, then we as a collective should not support those companies. When I see us not coming together, um, this is beyond culture. This is economic now. When I see us not come together, we have a hard time doing things economically together. Terrible time doing things economically together. We can't even just decide, let's stop, let's boycott Starbucks, Starbucks because their cups are made by incarcerated people. We can't even do that. We can't even do the same thing with McDonald's. We cannot do that. Whatever it is, for some reason, when it comes to money, we will not stick together. But when it comes to social justice issues, we do run out there. (laughs) Yeah, we run out there. And it could be a very mixed blend of black people. Um, But, yeah, my point is, in this society, it is important to kind of think in that primary group as I think his name Kevin, as Kevin was saying, Kevin, because um, it Calvin, is a survival Calvin, uh-huh. Calvin, Calvin, because it is a survival mechanism for the society in which we live. Culturally though, we don't have to blend cultures. We just have to like acknowledge each other. Nah, very strong. I'll, let me tell you the why um, very quickly. Oh, we actually have another caller, so let's see if we can get to the caller. I'll, I want to tell you the why we have the the, um, the, the economic issue that, that you that you speak to, um, um, but I'll go to the caller first and maybe bring it up after the break. Area code 678-33306. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good day, and thanks for having me. This is Tennessee. I'm calling from Atlanta. Hey, what's Hello. up, Tennyson? Thanks for getting in, King. You got you got a background much needed on this show. We got about a minute for a break, so get it quick. Um, I'll keep you on after the break as well, because I'm pretty sure you have a lot of good stuff to say as well. But go ahead and just start what you want to say, and we'll go to break. I appreciate it, and I enjoy listening to my fellow American. <laughs> She's uh, <laughs> making a lot of sense, and but I will say I disagree with two points you made. You have all right to that scholarship in Boston College. <laughs> First of all, without a doubt. And the other thing I disagree with is um, black people here, whether you're from Haiti or you're from America or you're from Jamaica, you're just as qualified if there were going to be some form of reparation. And the reason why I say this is this. America is guilty as well for how America has destabilized countries in the Caribbean and continue to do so without a doubt. And we can go back to when we talk about Cuba, we can talk about Jamaica, we can talk about Haiti, and we can talk about Grenada. The, 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 the information is out there without a doubt. And America has continued to flood these countries with inferior food items. Um, there yeah. was a, uh, I can't remember the document, there was a documentary out that they did an awesome job kind of talk about how the American government subsidized farmers here 
So when they flood countries in the Caribbean with inferior food items, these farmers, the farmers that are producing food without any subsidy from their government cannot compete. So you as a poor person in those countries getting food items from America, the same potato for 10 cents a pound versus your farmer in your country selling organic uh, potatoes for a dollar a pound, you're going to go for the American potato, and that's what's been happening. And America yeah. is also in guilty. Uh, let me do this before you do the and, like, brother, if you don't mind. Let me, let me, let me do this. Let's, let's do the break, right. and you come back with your and um, out of the break. Thanks sure. a lot, King. We'll be, um, yep, I'll bring you right back on after the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly at 404-604-9477 or inbox me on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page or the IG page, which is mental underscore dialogue. We definitely need your support and would like to promote your business as well. This morning's discussion question, can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Our special guest, uh, Samantha Bailey, has been holding us down. We actually have a caller on the line. If you want to be like Tennyson when you grow up, please press 1, and we'll get you on as well. All right, brother, I think you had an and you were going into. We wanted to let you get that internet coming out of the break. Go ahead, King. All right, since my since my aunt was broken, uh, I will cut it short. I'm saying <laughs> that they also interfere with election and continue to do so uh, to destabilizing, you know, the, the, the different governments uh, in the Caribbean. And the documentary that I wanted to mention is called Life and Death, and it's a very, very good documentary. If you ever watch any documentary in the Caribbean, that's a very good one, and it specifically deals with Jamaica and how some of the things that Jamaica has been faced with and continue to face with. So I'll leave it like mm-hmm. that. Um, okay. Now, strong point, Samantha. Yeah, anything, anything you want to jump on? Yeah, please go ahead. Jump on what Absolutely. to the table. First, what he's saying is incredibly true, but it's a different topic. Reparations is one thing, and I think reparations are not due to anyone who's not a descendant of American slavery. But what you're speaking of, of the destabilization of politics of a lot of countries, not just countries where people are mostly black, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Venezuela, that, that's happening currently. We are the reason they're being destabilized. That's a whole other issue. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, in, in essence, that should be taken care of, but in a different way. That's not reparations. That's like political, <laughs> like yeah, some people have to have crimes well. of humanity. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother one, but he's right. 
he's completely right. Those things do happen in these countries. Jamaica has lost so much wealth, mainly because of America, buying up the shores. 91% of the shores of Jamaica are privatized now, and the Jamaicans themselves do not benefit from it. So, yes, but it's different. Reparations is more of a social issue, while all that other stuff is like political and crimes against humanity issue and should be dealt with, but in a separate a separate box. Um, yeah, yeah so that's I, what I want to say about that. I feel the same way about that. No, I feel the same way, you know, whatever. And his, and his, and his opinion is, you know, in a sense, valid as well. Um, again, but I definitely think, in a sense, that, that it is separated. And, again, I also am attuned to, again, the originators just mentioning the concept of um, a blueprint for success, you know what I mean. You know, I don't, I don't know if they're watching what the Australians have done. I'm, I, I, if you're, if this is your baby, you probably are studying all forms of it to see how to be successful. And so, uh, again, yeah, when you start, I would say convoluting it with those things, then you're probably less likely to receive anything. Is my personal opinion. Um, I do tend to agree with you. I think Tennyson wants to get back in, so I'm gonna give him a thought. Again, if you're out there listening and want to get in on this morning's discussion, please. Press one to let us know. Actually, we got Kevin and Tennyson both wanting to get back in. So let me go. I'm going to go with Tennyson real quick because he was just speaking, and Kevin will get to you next. Well, I will uh, say this. If I'm looking at you correctly, you're trying to get back in. Go ahead, King. Yes, I appreciate it. I will say this. When I get pulled over by a cop, a racist cop, the cop is not going to say to me, hey, where are you from? Are you from Jamaica? Are you from Haiti? Or are you from America? No, I'm going to go to the same type of racist behavior that a person that was born here, a black person was born here. So what the point I'm making is that it cannot, there's not a separation. That's, we got to be careful now because it becomes, oh, no, you weren't affected. So therefore, no. If somebody, I would say if somebody is living here for a certain year, you can go by, okay, you've only been here five years. So you haven't been affected as much. I could see that, but to say to somebody who may have come here at 6 or 10, and this person is now 40, that doesn't make any sense to me. To say, oh, because you weren't born here, or to have someone whose parents is from another country, but they were born here, to say you're not qualified because your parents weren't from here. No, that doesn't make any sense. This person may be here for 30 years, and another person who has been Mm -hmm. here for 15, was born here and, be, and is 15, end up getting reparation versus the person that was been here 30 years. I just feel that we got to be very careful. If you were affected, yes, then as a black person, you are qualified for reparation. Now, will it happen? I don't think so because, you know, we, we know where we are right now. But that's so let me throw this out to you and I've got to get to another caller. But no, I respect again, like I said, it doesn't make sense to you and that's fair. Again, everybody's opinion is welcome. What I what I will share with you again when you um and obviously we're putting in the context of reparations for America to its enslaved um African ancestors. So we're this, this is a very unique reparations in comparison to in comparison to all the reparations that around the world that we've seen. It's yeah. usually the same generation or a generation removed, um, you know, or whatever. So this is a very different and unique picture. So what I'll say with you to this is just at least consider this for consider this aspect of again, this is getting into the nuance of why the distinction is being put out there. Well, ultimately they're talking about repairing for wealth that was never received from 
200 years ago, 100 years ago. So it's not even, you know, if we were to receive them, it's whatever, in whatever form it is, whether it's monetary, whether it's scholarship, whether it's, you know, subsidies to get into business, whatever, however, if, they, if they're ever given and however they're given, um, we're all going in a sense, we're getting, it's just, it's repair for those that were harmed, not the harm we're receiving now. The the current stuff that we're going through has nothing to do with the reparations that's being requested. It's the wealth that was never received from you know when we were getting zero percent of America's move to to you know they be, they became the number one GDP in the world because of free labor. And yeah. that's the reparations. So just understand it has nothing to do with your experience now. Just wanted to throw that out to you, King, give you a thought. I won't give you a chance to respond because I got another caller, but I want to at least leave you with that. Thanks a lot for your three cents this morning, though, King. What? Hello? Yeah, I was saying I was I was I was just saying thank you for your three cents. I'm going to the, back to Kevin who's trying to get in as well. But again, I just wanted to give you something to think about um in in reference to to your again, very valid opinion though. Calvin, that's you again. What you got for us, King? Yeah. What's going on, King? Uh, here's, here's, uh, all right. I, I got two things. I'm going to go back to the cold thing, but I'm going to go and, and address what he's talking about as far as the reparation. Let me make it simple like this. It's kind of like we're members of a car club. And we go into a car club. Let me show. do this, Calvin. Let me, let me, let me, Calvin, let me do this. We're going to do, do this. Go to your second one because I want to keep it in context of this morning's discussion. We're going to do a full reparation show in the future, so okay. let's go. Yeah, if you don't mind, all jump right. to your second all one. Right. The code. All right. All right. The code. The code. All right. Now, we, we know that within tribes of the different groups of people, races, they fight amongst themselves about all myriad of things, everything, you know, sleeping with my wife to whatever, stealing fish. <laughs> now, but, but what happens is this. When we're talking about when those groups are fighting groups outside of the group, they're going to have differences, but they don't get in the way of each other. You're not going to have the Asians mm. attacking Asians when it comes to pertaining against uh, blacks. All those Asians mm. going to treat all blacks basically the same. And if you don't say nothing about it, I mean, not saying nothing about or getting involved in one particular genre of your group is the same as accepting it. See, they don't get in the way. We actually get in the way of our own group defending itself against outside groups. The other groups don't attack each other in public, you know, like, like that, unless they got their little mm-hmm. fights among themselves. But as far as dealing with the outside groups, they come, that's, what, that's what we mean by cold. Meaning, yeah, I hear you, King. I hear you, but I was, I was, yeah. dis- I would disagree with that. I would disagree with. It. I think, I think even in American history, when you put it in the context of just simply black and white, which we are prone to do in America, yeah. luckily conversations I mean, like this move us, you know, <laughs> yeah, move us globally. But I'll say, in, since we tend to see everything in black and white as Americans, um, I think mm-hmm. the whole, the entire history of America has been. In a sense, the very same quote, quote, quote unquote white people that are oppressors—they've fought amongst themselves about us all kind of ways. Some to our favor, some not to our favor. I think they have continuously done it, and you know, and some people think it's a no, no, know, no, 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 no. Now, now that I think give them no, no. give them had, too much credit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hold on, hold on. Not as a collective, you have never seen them fight as a collective. You've seen individuals. Like a John Brown, you see individuals get involved, and we misconstrue individualism with the thought processes of the group. The group do 
Now, individuals may stray from the herd. Now, that's what we mess up as a people. We, we'll take a, oh, well, I got a friend that's white. Oh, no, the, the white, you know, uh, race or white supremacy is not all that bad. It's, no, it's not really. No, 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 no. Your individual relationship, just like people who are married to uh, uh into you know in a in a racial um thing because yeah, I make it quick, you about to, uh, yeah, I gotta get man. some other callers to make it quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah. Because we, you're married yeah, yeah, to a white person. Yeah, we're going away from the topic. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. It's nah, all good. But what I'm saying is, yeah, that individualism does not stake overstand um the group, the collective of how they deal with you as a group. See, we have to do things as all a right, group. King. You go ahead. All right, King. All right. Yep, no, nah, it's all good. Hey, wait, this country we didn't, we had a civil war, so I'll throw that out when it gets when you start talking about collectives. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't the free of that was my Oh yeah, yeah, it was. Most people disagree with that. When you studied history, that's what it was for. Um but yeah, I'm gonna get Brother Pianchi back in. The call is getting live on the Sam. I definitely wanna get back on topic with on these posts. We got another break. When we come out of break, we're gonna go straight post so we can get back on topic. I'm gonna let Brother Pianchi get another thought in before the break. All right, brother Pianchi, you got a minute and a half. I'm gonna give it to you and then we're going to break. Yeah, you know, Mexicans had a civil war during the Mexican-American War. So that's I hear what he say, but I don't agree with it. But, you know, you talk about, you know, you had a black fraternal group at Cornell University that complained to the administration that they were permitting too many Africans into the university when you talk about the group. But the lady, like I said before, when she said that there's particular reasons that you come together. Okay, let's say we all come together, we're in a stadium. Now what? So you have to have a particular reason, and one of the most prosperous reasons and logical reasons is along economic areas because both Mm -hmm. can benefit and both can see the benefit Mm -hmm. for either one of them. Thank you very Mm -hmm. much. No, it makes sense. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So when we come back from break, we're going to get all the way back on topic of these posts were particular to this question. But, again, this is a free-flowing show, real family show. As you can see, these are some of my regulars. I love getting them in. Uh, they're very supportive of the show, so I need them. Hopefully some people out there listening will become regulars as well. If you're on the line and new to the show, make sure you are pressing 1 because i got a lot of people on the line. You do need to press 1 so that you can speak just like you're hearing the callers get in right now. All right, we're going to go to another break. When we come back, we'll get back on point, back on topic with our special guest, Sam Bailey, for this morning's discussion question, Can Caribbean Blacks and American Blacks Come Together Culturally? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, everywhere. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Special guest, Samantha Bailey. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. Let's go to another post and see what they had to say this week as we put this question out earlier this week. Um, I've got one quote, this one um, post. I think this was pretty cool. And, uh, I don't think we have to spend any time on it, but it says, as long as the Caribbean food is being served, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Speaking of food, speaking of food, this is on my mind. So in terms of, like, coming together culturally, clearly culturally there's, there's food differences. Um, and I'm actually in the food industry. I, I run a restaurant, but okay. also I'm a, nutrition, I'm a nutrition counselor for people who are sick, like people who are, like, sometimes terminally ill. And I help them how to how right. to eat. Now, one of the places where we can culturally exist but also come together is in decolonizing our food choices. And example, so Jamaica back in the 50s it was not like America in the 50s. People didn't really have TVs. People, there, there was a lot of things that they didn't have. So my mom growing up, um, she ate a lot of fruit because fruit was free because fruit trees just grow. Right, you don't have to pay for them in these Caribbean places. They're just everywhere, um, and so she ate a lot of fruit, but she didn't eat a lot of meat because meat was expensive. Meat happened on like a Sunday, and you got one little piece. So basically, you're eating like a lot of vegetation, yeah, a lot of yams and things like that, right? So culturally, that's there. They come here though, and what happens as they come here is they adopt what we call an American diet. So now certain things mm-hmm. are eaten more, more saturated fat, more things that come in bags and cans. They didn't have that. They didn't even have refrigerators, so they could only really eat more so fresh. And then they start getting sick and things like diabetes and all this stuff start coming. And for me, having that, those stories of her yesteryears coupled with growing up here, culturally, I see the differences, but I feel like this is the one part we can really come together and become stronger as the monolith of blackness is when we decolonize okay. how we're eating. When we take out these things that we were never supposed to eat in the first place that don't really run us as well as, as honestly, European descendants, because we are different people and we grew up for thousands of years on different foods and we can really come right. together on that. And Americans can have their American food. I mean, when they do health studies, when they want to see how greens or vegetation affects people, they actually look for African-Americans because on average, African-Americans eat the most greens out of every other group. But you wouldn't know it unless you're into like these studies. And these are the things I read. So it's like, yeah, I know everyone always talks about how unhealthy we are. Um, Americans are unhealthy. I think though the American food paradigm affects us worse genetically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we suffer right. even more. And plus poverty and education, all that stuff. But here I really feel is a golden place for us to come together culturally, still keep our foods, but decolonize it and help each other decolonize our diets. All right. Beautiful point. Yeah. Beautiful point. Um, yeah. You obviously can speak to it specifically. Uh, let's see, make sure there's no other callers here. Let me go to yeah, actually, man, I think we got another caller. Let's get to the caller. All right, let's do that. 
Area code 678-937. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Brother Unc, what's going on, Pastor? How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Brother Unc? What you got for us, King? Go ahead. Oh, really? Yeah, I know you got Hurry up and move real fast. Um, I, I just was listening to was talking about how she thinks we could come together basically on a diet. Um, it's a few points that she made that, that, that science wouldn't necessarily agree with. Um, human beings eat food in general. I think it's just a process. So basically, you know, at the Jamaican community or the Caribbean community. The phone's going in and out, brother. It's going in and out real bad. So we're missing half of what you're saying. I don't know if it's where you're holding it. I definitely want to give you people opportunity to hear what you're saying. Can you, so can you hear me now? Try to hold it. Can you yeah, hear me now? I think I can hear you clearer now. Yeah, whatever you're doing now, continue to do it. Is, Go it, ahead. is it clear now? Okay, so mm-hmm. basically when she was talking about we need to come together on our foods, right? Um, I think uh, science really has already answered that question. So as African-Americans in the Caribbean community, we just need to really uh, fight as hard as we can to alleviate or to completely uh, stop processed foods. Based on the evolutionary process, it's the processed foods that actually kill humans. So there's no real specific diet for, say, like Europeans and Africans and Australians. You know, we we all deal with minerals in our food and vitamins and all that, and and that's essential to all human beings. So I think that the conversation on that needs to work towards how do we alleviate processed foods. I just want to add that. So let me let me let me let me share let me share something with you though. I think. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. and that's fair. That's fair, brother. Uh, let me share something with you, and this is what I think Sam may be coming for. Obviously, can speak for herself, but I just want to throw this out. Um, and and you know, obviously, you can get a response to this. Um, yeah, so let us speak think, for herself. Why are you gonna add in? You know, well, I just want to throw okay, this out. Let him do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Trying to help. What out. I want to okay. throw out is, ahead, yeah, I just want because I'm gonna throw this one thing out. I'm talking about. I where I do here's a part where I kind of agree with her just in this stance point. I think this was key to her point. Let me just throw this out. When you took when you look at generations and generations of um, these these effects on any diff, any group. So yeah, you're right in the sense that humans can eat whatever or eat, eat the, the human body in a sense responds the same. But culturally, if you've been in a certain area and your culture is eating a certain diet for, you know, for thousands or hundreds of years, then the descendants can have some genetic predisposed things based on what your previous ancestors yeah. did. So in a sense, it becomes cultural in that sense. But if you just go science-based, but, you know, but basic scientifics to the human body, then you are correct. I think she was just kind of referring to historically what you've done over a period of time and how it now affects its descendants. I think that it, I think that is a fair nuance, if I could throw that out to you. Go ahead, Sam. I'm sorry. Mostly, but one thing, it, it is actually untrue. We do respond a little bit differently based on our culture slash what we call our ethnic background. I'll give you only one little example. There is um, a vitamin called vitamin K2. K2 is made from K1. K2 is not really in nature, but K1 is abundant. And when we ingest K1, which is in a lot of greens and vegetables, our bodies create K2, and K2 needs to, is needed to have really good bone health. Okay. In Europe, they have a history of fermented foods because they don't have fresh foods. You know, it's colder there. Things don't grow as often. So they've had to ferment and salt, and and these are ways to preserve. What they have found, though, there are uh, a 
nice portion of Europeans, Caucasians, that don't have the ability to transform K1 into K2 because throughout their history, because of cheese and other things that were fermented, K2 was created out of that bacteria. So now what happens if they don't eat those foods, they actually get things like rickets or bone issues or teeth issues because they don't have that ability. And this is what their own nutritional history has done to them and why we don't have that issue. They haven't. Black people almost never have this issue of not creating K2 in their body. So, yeah. So specific, I know you had another point, King. And that's, you know, not that's not related to that one, something? but thank you for bringing it to the table. Yeah, well, I want, I want, I want you to go to your other point so we don't, so we don't brought, so we don't brought down. I, I know, but y'all people, let's not brought down. I know we're that. not trying to get brought <laughs> down, but we can't run across it like that. Our thing is about being. We're going to run against. We can on, about, on this show. Bro. We can run across okay, it and get so back on topic. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I just wanted everybody to know. Let's look. Let's look that up and understand that everybody is not from Europe. All white people aren't from Europe. Some of the first farmers. Uh, uh, in that area, so I'm just okay. I'm, what I'm I want to know, King, King, please. King. What I want to know, what I, I mean, did you yeah, have another point in reference, or I thought you, yeah, yeah. No, did good. you have another point? I think okay, that was it. Okay, cool. No problem, yeah. King. Thank you. It's all good. If you want to get in, this is, hey, this is what we do. This is a lively show. If you want to get in, please press one. All right, let's go to another post. The next post was. Pretty similar to the last one. It says, pass the damn jerk. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Here's one. I think this, we've kind of already said some of this, but, again, I just wanted to just go down the post down the line. I think they, there may be nuance within the post. All right. So we have another post that says, you don't have to merge cultures to have a common goal and have a vision for the survival of your people throughout the diaspora. I, for one, have an appreciation for my black American. I'm sorry. Say that again. Absolutely. Okay, yep, cool. I, for one, have an appreciation for my black American culture and heritage and a respect for the Caribbean culture. Truth be told, a lot of our collective West African heritage is intertwined in both. You can come together in certain I- on certain ideas, but respect for culture has to work both ways. Many immigrants have taken on white supremacist ideology when viewing black American culture. Lot said in that one. What you got? What you got on it, Sam? I think that's a lot yep. under that okay. under that comment. Uh, absolutely true. So I want to talk about that last comment about a lot of immigrant Black folks have taken on white supremacist ideology. Yes. So I experienced this growing up. I grew up in a family where the things that we feel that let's say the white majority kind of say about us. This is what my parents and my aunts and uncles were saying about black Americans. So what's interesting is as they come up here and they hear these stereotypes, they don't own it themselves and they believe them and say, yeah, these American blacks do that. Don't do that. That's what they do. So I grew up with a lot of that. That comment is incredibly Mm -hmm. right. When I went to college, I had to reprogram my mind. I had to consciously I mean, I read Malcolm X and that I was like, I got to I got to fix my brain because I believed these things to be true. I held these racist thoughts and believed them as American black issues. I learned when I went to college that this is what America feels about blacks in general. But I grew up with black parents 
who are like, this is what black Americans are like. And I owned that. So that comment is so incredibly true. So incredibly true. And I've had to, I went to school far away from New York. And when I would come up and be back with my Haitian American friends and my Trini friends and my Jamaican American friends, I was like trying to tell them, no, no, no. Like we, our parents taught mm-hmm. us wrong. Like I had to try to re-educate my friends because up there we didn't know any black Americans. So we believe these stereotypes. We believe, and we really only attributed them to black Americans. It's, it's insane, but he's completely, that comment is completely true. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's, uh, and let's unpack that for anybody listening. Because everything that we hope to do with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, again, is just bring these different perspectives. So unpacking what you just said, so so if you are an American and you've been exposed to a Caribbean American who has the, has this ideology, as Sam just said, she had them too until having a different experience and interaction with her African-American friends. So if you're experiencing a Caribbean who you think, like, wow, they think just like white people do about us. And, mm-hmm. as, you know, if you're that African-American, you're mad at them. As it, and, and, and the reality is, the reality is how they were taught coming to this country. And so mm-hmm. I'm not, so, so it's like I'm mad at someone who has heard nothing different than what they think. And so I'm trying to, you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to break down this, this nuance for people to kind of understand the other perspective. Now, here's the very tripped out thing about this very thing, Sam. What, mm-hmm. At least in, in, in my own, you know, doing this show and, you know, just having the background of studying our history, for, you know, throughout my life, I've been saying this for a long time. Here's the funny thing. Mm. So even for African Americans who feel the way that we're talking about right now, we'll even say, I think, and Kevin could attest to this, there are other African-Americans who would say the very same things. So even within our culture, mm. within black American culture, you can have this mm. divide. Maybe not as much, but you do have it, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I want to see what you think about this. Here's the reality. What we sometimes fail to realize, we say it all the time, but I don't think we make a conscious thought of this, is how we're educated. So in this mm-hmm. country, you are educated to think whatever to, to to think the very things Caribbeans are coming here to think. So if you're listening to what I'm saying, personally, it is our lived experiences that make us say, "Hold on, this stuff we're being taught is not right." Because what you're subconsciously taught in this country is inherently that you are inferior. Like it's subconscious. It's not conscious, because if it was conscious, we would absolutely reject it. We've heard some of our great master teachers say, if you're taught by your enemy, you know what I mean? Like like you hear those quotes and things of that nature or whatever, and and we do push people in the Minnesota community to seek out African-centered education wherever they can. You know, there's obviously a lot behind that. It is one of the pillars that we push for, but at a minimum, we tell all parents, please supplement your child's education so that they see themselves because that's what inherently comes from 12 years of getting educated without seeing yourselves or revisiting the exact same yeah. black historical figures every black history month and that you would believe that only everybody else built America because 
you know, even knowing that you were enslaved, we like to glaze over it because of the hurt ourselves, right? Uh, um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's never taught to you in its full context uh, because there's beauty that comes out of, you know, not only surviving, but there are those who thrive doing it. Or as Brother Piaki said, all of us were not enslaved in this country. So, but again, you can't, you're not going to get taught that in school, right? You're not going to, that's just not yeah. a reality. Yeah. So there becomes that inherent inferiority supremacy thing that is still a context of American public education. So I, that long diatribe is to share with you as much as you can own everything that was said in that post. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for a lived experience, we believe the same damn thing about each other. Unfortunately, yeah. but we don't. But when you're, but when you're, when you get out of that thought, then you're mad at others who who have not had a chance to get out of that thought. Your your friends have been reeducated by you. Like it's like we don't know how yeah. to give that context to one another. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I I agree. I agree completely. The narrative is out there, and if you're not from here and you hear that narrative, you just believe it to be true, and you perpetuate it. And that's what happens to immigrant groups, whether they're black or another type of immigrant group, and they just believe these stereotypes. I have I have family that has moved to Europe, and the things that they're approached with are, oh, do you know any rappers? Are you a rapper? Do you play basketball? They are giving a narrative. They only believe it to be true. So you have to understand that even if the people coming into this country are also black, because they're coming from a black country, they're not owning that narrative as their own. So they end up perpetuating white supremacist talk and thought just because it's a narrative that is pervasive here and they, they, they bring it in and then they raise the kids on it. And it is our job, like you said, to educate or re-educate. And I would like to say if anyone has the ability to even homeschool, homeschooling is best. Absolutely. In terms of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I have a big advocate of it. I've brought on homeschoolers, you know, giving people opportunities, um, homeschooling communities, whether, you know, you can't, you know, you're, you know, whatever the community kind of does it, even though you may have to work if you're a single parent, definitely recommend all of that. And, you know, we have our own, even as African-Americans, we have our own fears of it just based on to the fact that we're used to the, the, you know, in this generation, we're used to public school systems, like even hearing that public school is really kind of a new thing worldwide, a new phenomenon when you think of the human yeah. history or whatever. It's a new thing. Yeah. But now, like you, kind of that same example you gave about how your, you know, your descendants will be, you know, Americans and not not, not be beholden to Jamaican culture where the same thing is happening with us, yeah. holding on to public schooling, even though it is to our detriment, our fears play a big role in that. Yeah. I'm going to do one quick more, one quick commercial, and we'll definitely do some wrap-ups and try to hit a couple of more posts as well. You still got a few minutes to get in. If you're on the line, some of you are on the phone lines now. If you want to get in, you do need to press 1. We'll be right back. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Again, if you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all the radio, please contact me directly. Inbox me on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page or the 
IG page, mental underscore dialogue, or call me directly. If you are an individual, we do need your support, mentaldialogue.com. That is your way to critique intelligent radio on the air. So we have these live and much-needed commercials and our special guest today, Sam Bailey, for this morning's discussion question. Can Caribbean blacks and American blacks come together culturally? Uh, again, if you're on the phone line, press 1. Let's go to another post. I didn't hit as many as I hoped, but I'm not surprised. Uh, as we get into these discussion, things go different directions. All right, here's someone who says her the answer for her post this week was no. Why would you want to merge cultures? You can't change history and geography. I appreciate Caribbean culture, and I'm sure they appreciate our culture more than they can admit. Any quick thoughts on that one? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will agree with that thought 100% everything that was said, yes. Uh, sounds good. Uh, here's another one. I think you kind of started mentioning, and this is definitely, I thought would have been more part of the conversation. And, and, and the may, hey, I let the callers get in, and so we went in some different directions. Um, but you already kind of spoke to this, I think, but I think you might can go a little deeper with it. Um, I have one sister who said, um, as a person who is a product of a Caribbean father and an American mother, Capitalize no. Like, so it's <laughs> coming together. Let me give you one more. Let me, yeah, let me give you one more thought on that. What some people had to say because I was, I, I actually reached out to that sister saying, "Hey, call in so we can hear more of what you're talking about. Like, what does this, what does this mean?" But I had this other sister who said this, and I think it's related in reference to her saying that. She goes, "You said it so correctly. I am Jamaican, and I have discussions with some of my new African American family and friends, and they are shocked when I speak the truth." They did not know how we truly feel about them. However, once they heard the truth, things started to make sense while we move and act differently towards African Americans. And I think that may be what you mm. just spoke to, um, but I definitely yep. let you respond um, as well. Yep, I, I agree. I think I had some of the same things um, when I started to, when I made African American friends in college and I started to tell them some of the things I grew up with. They're just like, what? You know, there was this shock. Um, but then things made sense. I want to say something to the person that said in one word, no. So I married someone mm-hmm. who was American black, um, and we're not together anymore. And in assessing our relationship together, I can almost understand what this woman meant. The way I, okay. the way we both see life, how, how to raise kids, how to look about business, entre- entrepreneurial things, how child rearing can feel, can look, we're so different. But I want to go back to this thing I said earlier where the differences aren't so appreciated because we're in this monolith of blackness. And if I were Japanese okay. and he was German, those differences would be more appreciated. And we're like, okay, we're going to do tea ceremony because that's what your mom does. And we're going to do mm-hmm. sashes, whatever, whatever, because that's what your dad does. It'd be appreciated. And I mm-hmm. think because of this blackness, what I was bringing and what he was bringing it was less appreciation for it because we're just like, well, that's not normal. This is normal, you know, and we're not seeing, no, we're different. Right. That makes sense. It's almost like you want to force what's normal on the other. Here y'all are in love and still having these distinct, distinct battles versus like you said, you got kind of like the concept we talked about earlier, like the color rich perspective, right? That oh, okay, exactly, and 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 let you have that. Now let me take part in this with you because I love you. Yes. Versus which which way is it going to be for our family? Yes, you got it. Now, 
No, nah, that makes it. sense. Here's another here's another generalization I think I can pull out of what we just saw, whatever. And again, you've already kind of spoke to it for what why those differences exist. But I would say in general, again, you know, just from my own viewpoint, that in general, another thing that is pretty common, and not every nothing applies to everybody, but pretty com- common for uh, whether it be you know Caribbean, whatever area you're coming from. Generally speaking, a lot of immigrants come here with relatively conservative values, and, I'm, and I want to use that yes. word in particular because of this, you know, it's an ideology battle that happens in America constantly, and so that plays a huge role in that difference as well, and, and because of yes. how that is put out in American political narratives, there's some of the angst as well, because the values appear to be very different. One, because like you said, what y'all are told, and then like you say, you get to meet us, and maybe it's not what you're told. But there's still an inherent value difference if we're going to generally apply that Caribbeans in general are relatively conservative. Any thoughts on that, Queen? Uh, Yes, I would definitely agree that Caribbeans in general are relatively conservative. I know there were a lot of – my father wasn't a big voter. He was a a citizen early on. He wasn't a big voter, but he – tended to lean with Republican policy. Um, I remember how my father was against affirmative action, and we had a lot of heated debates about this when I was growing up. Um, And it's not just my father, but I was around it. They're very conservative when it comes to things about, like, marijuana legalization. Um, I know Jamaica has this reputation of, of, like, oh, ganja, weed, marijuana, Everyone needs to understand that in Jamaica, up until recently, weed was really a Rasta thing. And since Rastas were so fringe and Rastas were so different, it was something that it was dangerous. And so anyone who's over the age of 60 who's from Jamaica, they still see marijuana as something dangerous and wrong and evil. And so even the talks of it getting legalized throughout the nation state by state is something that does not resonate with them at all. Like they can't see it, even though there's racial aspects of it and mass incarceration issues with it. It just doesn't resonate. Mm -hmm. And so I'm dealing with this as a New Yorker um, because it goes in and out of being voted for legalization in New York. And when the state senators talk about why they can't vote for it because their constituents don't want it, a lot of them are in West Indian neighborhoods and they're like the older West Indian community doesn't want it legalized. So yeah, mm-hmm. they they that's they great are. nuance. Now, great nuance. We got a couple of minutes, so I'm gonna give it to you. Thank you. You've been amazing um, for the entire two hours. Thank you for being able to stay on with with me. I don't know if I could have turned the show without you. Thank, Thank you to all the uh, all the callers. But I want to just kind of again, it's a question you've probably said, or but I want to just kind of give you a wrap up. We got a couple of minutes, so you just kind of. Throw out what you want to throw out. Thank you. We really could do a whole other hour and get into more nuance, but I think you have given a wonderful two hours. But um, if you will, Queen, the floor is yours, and thank you for being with us this morning. Oh, you're very welcome. And I think just everyone remember, like, we all have our ways that we grew up within our household and with our neighborhood and within our, our own culture, and to love each other's culture as long as no one's harming every, anybody. And within this paradigm of blackness, let's use it to our power and really shift things, and economics is where we have our power. Nah, I love it. I don't know if you are if you do anything publicly to share with the group with with anybody listening. If there's anything you want to put out there, how they can follow you, you don't have to. But I just want to make sure you have the opportunity. If you do have anything of that nature, you can definitely put that out at this time. 
Absolutely. So I do public speaking sometimes on certain topics, but I am a nutritional counselor. So you can find me on Instagram and on my website at Sam Eats Plants or www.sameatsplants.com. Decolonize your diet, get your health together so we can fight the system. No, absolutely. If you will, um, let's, I want um text me the same um, actual contact because I'll make sure it's on the replays that I post on Facebook and social media. Um, so make sure you text me, you know, that info so I can put it out. And, again, you've been absolutely wonderful. I want to thank um, all of our sponsors, MoneyMotivation.com, Ephraim Abdullah from EXP Reality, as well as Square Business Entertainment. Uh, they had some trouble with the board, so I couldn't get I had one commercial. I was supposed to just putting it out there. I would, if, you're, if my sponsor just so happen to be listening, we'll definitely get you on next week and, and make sure we promote all of our sponsors. We do need you. We need you individually at mentaldialogue.com. Go see what the Mental Dialogue Community Club is all about. We're bringing you this every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. We'll see you all next Saturday. Thank you, Sam. You were wonderful. Next, till next week, all I ask is that you think. <laughs>